I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio charlie has thrown off my train of thought to start the show he's blaming me for something i don't even know what it is i'm sure we'll get to it at some point all right we're off to a great start <laughs> my name is bill Matz. i'm a director of fun and games for the evening uh we're gonna start our draft coverage tonight gang we're gonna finish up some of our player grades maybe maybe not see see what kind of time we have i don't really care about player grades no, we we'll gotta see. do it uh i have a bunch of stuff i'm gonna get to so let's just get right into it Ah, the panel for the evening. First and foremost, the bespectacled, spectacular Kelly Hinkle. I miss hockey. Like, a lot. It's only been gone for, what, like... Like, two days. Four days? Five days? When did did it end? I don't know. I feel it was last week. Yeah, like, when last week? Wednesday? Wednesday? Thursday? Thursday or Wednesday? Thursday. It was Thursday. So, what, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Today is the fourth hockey-less day. I feel a real sense of loss and emptiness in my life and i don't like it you need to just be following uh alex ovechkin's trek with the cup oh i have been i feel like every everywhere he everywhere the cup goes like when everyone gets their day with the cup it comes without alex ovechkin yeah he's attached to it now he's a part of it yeah next year when another team wins he's still just going to be following it around well i gotta say i i probably still shit face i follow him on instagram and i haven't seen the cup in like a full 24 hours. So I think it was he with, must have yeah, given it, it to somebody coach, else. I think yesterday or today. From theathletic.com, Charlie O'Connor. So, uh, and, and we'll get to later the reason why I, I scrolled out on our outline and I was like, oh God, we're never going to get to the heart of this because you threw something in there that we'll, we will spend 20 minutes debating, of course. How dare you? Um, but I want to start off by talking about TSN's trade bait article. It's, it's a real good series they do. And the first one they do of the offseason is always interesting because it gives you like 30 players that they have gotten legitimate like hard sourced rumors from people with teams that these guys are probably or have a good chance of getting moved. I think it's worth pointing out a few things. First, Mike Hoffman, number three on the list. He's almost certainly getting traded. Ron, get on the damn phone and push for this guy. He's everything you need up front in the top six. Charlie's love affair with Mike Hoffman continues. Second, and I'd argue this is even more interesting from a Flyers perspective, even more so than the guy who I really want them to get. Wayne Simmons is not on the list at all, and it's, it's really interesting for this reason. 
the first trade bait article last year had Braden Shen on it. And this was back when no one, like fans of the Flyers, thought that there was any chance they were going to trade Braden. No one was, no one was thinking about a Braden Shen trade in the in early June. No one expected it. But TSN, Kelly was. TSN I, had him on there. I was thinking about it a lot. So Well, yeah. <laughs> Kelly did say it a lot on the show. But the point is, is that Wayne Simmons is a guy we're thinking he has a good chance of being traded. TSN did not think it's it's likely enough to even put him on their trade bait list. And I'm kind of reading the tea leaves here, and I'm, I'm thinking right now the Flyers begin next season with Wayne Simmons on their team. With all the possibilities they could have gone since basically the trade deadline, uh, like his his value couldn't be lower. Yeah, the, yeah. the surgery definitely hurt. And I do kind of get the feeling. I'm not saying I, I don't know if they're going to resign him. But I feel like Ron's sitting there, like, give me a reason to resign you, Wayne. Like, make me resign you. Like, that's kind of. I, I kind of. I'm get not that nearly as plugged well. in as you are, but that's kind of the. feeling I get that I feeling get. as well. I I think they like the the intangibles, the leadership, that whole thing, and they want him to convince them to to, uh, to sign the check. I am. I've said many times. I'm the opposite of everyone else. I want him to sign a long term deal with low money because if he's giving you. F- fourth line minutes in five years I have no problem with that right but now they're projecting that his next contract is going to look like TJ Oshie's do you want and that which no, by the I way that's what I know well, that's, that's a long term contract we've <laughs> been saying low that money. exact thing on this show since TJ Oshie signed yeah. that contract so thanks for listening Elliot Friedman right like he, he's not going to get <laughs> low money because he's a high depends value on what, yeah. depends on what he wants and if he really is he still. wants money they all want money lots of guys want yeah, what, I mean what Oshie get like what high fives and if he would have gotten a three-year deal he probably would have gotten like high sixes so yeah so i mean that's kind of how it works you give them extra years you get a little bit of a bargain in the short term but in the long term it could hurt you and that's what what we've been worried about is he i mean he's he's better than what we've gotten out of wayne simmons for the last two years but are they gonna pay him like that i don't know Last, oh, but certainly got five seven five. Yeah, high high fives. Last, but certainly not least, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D. Steph Driver. All right, so I'm going to get a little bit pessimistic here, as the Stanley Cup remains in the Metro for the third consecutive season. Um, the Flyers, our Philadelphia Flyers, yours, mine, ours, are not going to be competitive in this division if they keep doing the things that they're doing. They can be the best version of themselves by continuing to draft and develop and, and be strong and good. And they will be the best version of the flyers, but they're not going to compete in this division with these powerhouse teams. If they don't do something more than just what they've been doing. I mean, yeah, but they haven't been trying to get better. Right. But while they're not trying to get better, all of the other teams in the division are, including the Devils, including the Hurricanes. Everybody else is getting better, and the Flyers are just doing their own thing, and that's fine. That's fine. They are going to eventually end up being the best version of themselves. The Flyers are better than both of those teams this year. Right, this year. But if they continue to do this, if they continue to do this thing, Charlie, if you keep tapping your screen and your name keeps jumping around on mine, I'm going to break your finger. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I just don't know why they would like that's this well because is just, that's all that's all that we've just, seen. This that's is just all that we've this seen. part of the plan. Well, that's all that we've seen that they've done. Like I don't know why everybody's expecting them to do something drastically different when we haven't seen it happen. I'm hopeful. Because I'm that's hopeful what you that, do. Well, you do build, they? You build a base and then you add to that. Sure, logic says, but history doesn't say that. 
That's not there what they've done. Well, I think this that's, guy's never been but, a general manager. But I think that's why this offseason is so big for yeah. everyone because this is the first offseason where it probably makes some sense to go all in. And it, well, not even all in, but just like make some real moves. And if he doesn't, then you start wondering if he's just chev- like Cheval Day off. Eastern Conference version where he's mm-hmm. just going to sit on his hands and hope that all the young guys turn into really good players and maybe that'll work but I mean it worked for Winnipeg but maybe it won't if he does do something then you can look at it and say no well you know he this was this was the pivot point the the, the non moves of the past three three seasons three off seasons I guess is how many he's had right mm-hmm. three four three or four um that was just because of it wasn't the right time this is the right time but if he doesn't do anything again this offseason, yeah, then you can start wondering if he's just going to keep sitting on his hands and hoping that, you know, all the kids are really good. But I, I do disagree with Steph in the sense that I think that I don't think the gap between the top teams in the Metro and the mid-tier teams in the Metro and the Flyers is, is that big. I mean, we did see that when it came to you know the playoffs and fighting for a playoff spot. They were within the whole division was like within five points of each other. So like, yes, there is that, but then they get to the playoffs, you know, two out of the last three years and then just completely shit the bed. But like, yeah, well, I mean, I, I, we, we agreed they're worse than Pittsburgh. I think the hope is that they owned Washington in the regular season this year. Yeah. But like the hope is that a team like Pittsburgh is more on the down because they haven't had draft picks in forever. And, there's only so many players you can go out and buy when you've got Crosby, Malkin, and Kessel on massive deals. I mean, if they do, they do. Like, Rutherford's a good GM. (laughs) But, like, the hope is that there's only so much you can do when you got tons of guys on massive deals and they're all in their early 30s. We'll see what happens. Maybe they just stay good. Maybe, you know... Malkin and Crosby are going to be really good until age 36. And then, yeah, that would suck. That would suck. And I, oh, God, I mean, they're, I, I don't see any signs of them slowing down. Whatever, God. you just go out and out outdo them. I mean, or we can't hope. We, we can't beat the Penguins. I mean, sure you can. We did get better. What, like once. Well, this year we didn't. Once in the playoffs, you can always just get Twice? better than another I team. I mean, once. they beat they beat the Penguins in the playoffs before when they had Mario and Yager. Like you just get better players, or you just have, have a four lines, or you, or you have a goalie plays yeah. really well. Is like wa- this, yeah, is <laughs> or, or is you Washington- ice the best possible version of your lineup in this series against the Penguins, there, which yeah. they did not do. The, uh, no, is Washington better than Pittsburgh? I'd say no, but they finished ahead of them in the regular season, and they, they beat, beat them in the playoffs. playoffs. So I mean, they won the cup. Yeah, I want to start by addressing the idea this this narrative that I've been seeing on Twitter and hearing from fans all over the place, that they've been two years away from being two years away forever now. Like, they've been stuck in some sort of cycle for, like, this 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 incredible amount of time. And I, I, I know people are sick of the patient approach, and now that the cup has been awarded, we're just sitting here waiting for the draft. Which, we are having a draft party. Um, it is going to be on Friday, June 22nd at Tavern on Broad. Um, the party is from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. And for those four hours, it is half off all drinks except for shots and Red Bull. And uh, half off an appetizer menu. Come with and uh, come watch with us. The AC is going to be pumping. The draft will be on TV and we will all be there. 
So we're just sitting here watching another Metro team, as Steph pointed out, uh, win the cup. And we're sitting here waiting for the draft and free agency. Like, you know, when's it going to be our time? We've just been drafting and developing and doing this whole patient approach. But let's not let our fervor and passion rewrite history. Now, I'm going to run through my entire lifetime as a Flyers fan. And let's see if they've ever been in the position they've been in right now. All right, let's say my my time as a Flyers fan started with the Lindros era. I think that's about right. So we had the Lindros era. era where they were legit cup contenders. They go to the conference final in 95, lose to the Devils. Go to the Stanley Cup final in 97, lose to the Red Wings. They blow the 3-1 series lead in 2000 against the Devils. Lindros gets KO'd in Game 7. Never plays for the Flyers again. Lindros era over. Uh, Then we go through the Craig Ramsey and Kelly's favorite era, the Bill Barber years. Yay. Uh, then we get that awesome 04 run. Uh, we get they get to the Eastern Conference Final. Charlie's favorite team, the 04 team, and they just run out of gas against a much better and more skilled Tampa team that didn't have to go through a ridiculous uh, like physical nonsense series against Toronto. Yes, I was not. I was going to say I don't think they ran out of gas. I think they ran out of yeah, players because yeah, everyone was hurt. Yeah, Tampa <laughs> younger. If, if they were healthy, I think they could have beaten Tampa. Tampa younger, more skilled Flyers. It was the first Flyers team I loved because it was the first team that I felt maybe didn't have all the talent that those Lindros teams did, but actually had a little bit of heart that those teams maybe didn't that lost in the first round a couple times. Sammy Kapanen. Yeah, always Sammy love Kapanen. I love that 04 team. But, so right there, they have Ken Hitchcock as their coach. They're paying Roenick all that money. They're a cup contender. They're in the, they're in the Eastern Conference Final. Then the lockout comes, coming out of the full-season work stoppage. They signed Forsberg, as well as some guys named Darian Hatcher, Chris Tarian, and Mike Rathje, because if the game's going to get faster and more skilled, obviously you want to defend that by getting big, slow blue liners. Oh, uh, they went full flyer up. Yeah. That team looks good, but craps out in the playoffs and gets old quick. They go 22-60 and 60 the following year, but set themselves up well by acquiring a whole mess of picks and players uh, to add to their good young core of players, uh, and then they go out and, of course, get Danny Briere. Next thing you know, this group is in the Eastern Conference Final in 07-08. They lose to Pittsburgh. Of course, this is the beginning of Pittsburgh's run. Uh, they went on to lose to the Red Wings that year, but the next year, the Flyers run into Pittsburgh again, fall in six in the first round because Dan Carcillo just couldn't let that series get to seven games. Uh, let's see. Then they go out and get Chris Pronger. And they get themselves in the cup final. This was a team ascending. They are legit cup contenders. Look at that roster of the 2009-10 team. I know they started slow and had to fire John Stevens, but that was a legit cup contender. Uh, You know, they ride 34-year-old Brian Boucher and some guy that was playing men's league named Michael Layton to six games against a team that ended up being a fucking dynasty in Chicago. AHL all-star Michael Layton. Future Hall of Famer in the AHL. AHL Hall of Famer. Michael Layton played in the AHL all-star game I went to in 99 with my dad. Well, you can probably see him next year. Ten years later, he's a net in the Stanley Cup final for the Flyers. Uh... That, so they lose to Chicago. Then in 2010-11, Pronger gets hurt, only plays 50 games, plays like three games in the playoffs. They have a rookie goalie. Everybody's drunk. Everybody hates each other. They still put up 106 points and then get embarrassed in the second round by the Bruins. So Holmgren blows it up, trades Carter and Richards, brings in Briz. This could work. There are still some key pieces in Briere, Pronger, Hartnell, Tiemannan, plus an emerging superstar in Giroux and the NHL-ready youngsters, Couturier and Shen, and some guys named Wayne Simmons and Jake Voracek, who turned out to be pretty good. Then Pronger gets hurt after 13 games, never plays again. 
this seems to be some sort of recurring theme. That summer, they strike out on some guys named Parisi and Suter, Nashville. That's his name, Parisi. Well, I was, you skipped a point and I was. Oh, right. Yeah. The goalie there was a suck. joke I was going to say. The goalie sucked. Giroux was great. They beat Pittsburgh in the playoffs and lose to New Jersey. Now that's the recurring that's theme. Recurring <laughs> that's theme. the recurring theme. The goalie sucked. Giroux is great. <laughs> that summer, they strike out on Parisian Suter. Nashville matches the Weber offer sheet. Fun fact about that. Weber has eight more years in that ridiculous deal at oh over Hey, Have fun, Montreal. Eight more years, seven Ooh. mil cap hit. And Yager and Carl, Yager and Matt Carl move on while the Flyers swing and miss on everyone else. Uh, Then a half season lockout, no more Briere or Briz. And then the GM just goes nuts, starts throwing shit against the wall. Uh, They miss the playoffs for just the second time since 95, start alternating first round losses. Was this when he asked Lindros if he wanted to come back? I believe it I believe that was 2012. Around around that time. I think after he saw him practice for the 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 alumni alumni game, game, he's like, you could probably play defense for us. And to be honest, yeah, it would probably have been better than giving up ladder, a draft pick for la- Nick Grossman. Ladder era Paul Holmgren. Like, no, that's I just I don't know what happened to the guy because he, he at, one, a novel. at one time he was a good GM, he was. and then those like last three years. And that's the part that people have a hard time understanding when they say, "Oh, we've been two years away from being two years away for so long." People forget that second half of Holmgren that led to Hextall coming back and Hextall taking over in 2014, and Hextall has his job has been digging them out of the shithole that they dug themselves in the latter half of Paul. Oh, we're gonna bring back Ray Emery. It doesn't matter that he's got no... He's missing a hip. He's got one. We're going to see how that goes. Didn't that yeah. happen last year? Vinny LeCavalier. Two let's, years ago? Vinny LeCavalier. Well, let's try that. Doesn't matter that the legend... That the franchise in which he's a legend just bought him out. Yeah, we're going to see if this works. Oh, it didn't. Wow. Big surprise. Weird. Luke Shen. Yeah, he's Braden Shen's brother. This will work. Let's give up a 30-goal scorer for him. Like, these are God, all the things... So these are all the things that Hextall had to recover from. And for the first time in my lifetime, this fucking franchise has a plan. In 2014, Hextall took over. His first pick was Sandheim, who's just now breaking into the league. So this idea that they've been stuck in some cycle for this time is untrue. This is the entire cycle of my fandom. This is the first time it's ever been this way. Yes, I do believe they need to take a step forward. This offseason, I'm hoping it is. It might be another year before they really go all in. And that's fine because like, they could get Drew Doughty, so it might work out. However, I want to see them take a step forward because they need to, and let's get going. But the idea that they've been two years away for two years, they're two years away from being two years away, whatever the hell the goddamn cliche is now, is wrong. It's It's wrong. And we're 17 minutes into the show and we finished hot takes. Well, good. Good. I'm glad. Well, the thing is, and I think that... I I really don't know how people come to that conclusion. I think that this is something that we'll all agree with. The, the fact that they're going through this rebuild or the restructure or whatever you want to call it while trying to remain competitive is fucking with people's heads. It's slow. And it's it also it slows down the progress, I right. think, like as it, far as the rebuild goes. Yes. Yeah. Now, we've seen rebuilds go disastrously wrong. Looking at Buffalo. Buff- yeah, Buffalo. Like, Buffalo is the number one yeah. Yeah, model of, of a rebuild that has just gone to shit. But now they, and they have, have they have good players. Now they, they have Eichel and Darlene, and they're going to be fine. They just, Are they? Uh, I don't know. Well, we said the same thing about Edmonton for goddamn years, and yeah. they needed literally the best player of a generation but to then, finally break that. And they're still a mess. But it's still, like, never really worked for them. Like, yeah, Yakupov was the consensus number one, but that was a bad pick. 
I mean, like look at freaking Taylor Hall's going to win the MVP, okay? And they had him. He should have been enough to turn that team into a good team. But because the a entire winger is never because their entire disaster a of a franchise was in such a mess that they couldn't. The only way they broke out of it was because McDavid was just that freaking good. And imagine how much better he'd be if they kept Taylor Hall. Oh, absolutely. I'm just saying, you, Taylor you, Hall is not enough to make a franchise good. That's like saying... Well, he's enough to get the Devils in the playoffs. Uh, yeah, but they, also, <laughs> they had so much else on that. Like, Did they, though? Yes. Did they, though? They had an 19-year-old rookie and Will Butcher. Who's really good. Yeah, he's, he's okay now. Maybe he'll be really good. Anyway, the point I do want to make about this, and I think... I think Steph is right that the and Kelly's right the idea that like the the compete wow the compete wow rebuilding is screwing people's heads. Another thing I think gets underrated in the perception of the Flyers timeline. The timeline got messed up a bit for one reason and one reason only. Shane Goss's bear. Mm. Because if Shane Goss's bear doesn't have his unbelievable rookie season, they probably don't make the playoffs that year. And then we don't start to convince ourselves that we're closer than we are. And no one could have predicted that that Goss's bear was that going to be that good. He was a third round pick. Like no one could have predicted he was going to be that awesome. And without that unpredictable awesomeness, they probably missed the playoffs three straight seasons before this one. And then this is their first time in. They go six with Pittsburgh, even though the ones they lost were fucking embarrassing. Like, it's still okay. They got in. They finished third in the division. This is a good building block. But since that year, and it's Shane and I will always credit Braden Shen. Yeah, from yeah January, a great second half. From January 1st on, he was a point-of-game player. Yeah, you're right. I will always credit him there, too, because he played above his head. Uh, you got a standing ovation on Facebook, by the way. Ah, nice. Yeah. Hmm. <laughs> Jesus, if Facebook agrees with me, I'm, like, oh, God. <laughs> I'm I, kidding. I, I love thought you, you were on to something. <laughs> yeah. But no, it's you're, you're right, Charlie. If this is the first year they make the playoffs after that dredge that we went through, it's a different thought. But since they have that, oh, Dave Haxtell, rookie coach, maybe he knows what he's doing and all this stuff like uh, like that led to that run and ending with you know the bracelets on the ice. Uh, <laughs> I think people have a different perception. I think you're right about that. Yeah, and and – it's it's just it's messing with people's heads. I think and we know that this is a town that can get behind um that they can get behind a a tank to rebuild. We've seen it with the Sixers. Now granted different sport, different fan base, just different. But this is a team like if you tell us what your plan is and that there is an end goal, this town will get behind you. They haven't been very transparent but they're still pushing for the playoffs, but they've also been okay with mediocrity. It's just, it's, it's, it's fucking with people, people's heads. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the idea, and this is what Hextall, he kind of dances around it, but once in a while he kind of lets it slip sort of what this whole thing is. And his, I think his underlying philosophy here and why he's done this semi rebuild retool, we're going to stay competitive thing is that he is convinced. And to be honest with you, he might be right. And a team like Buffalo and a team like Edmonton is a classic example. He is convinced that you need to keep a winning culture, a competitive culture 
in your franchise while you bring kids in. And if you don't, they will then just kind of get sucked into this culture of losing. So he, what he wants to do, and, and, and you kind of feel bad for guys like Drew and Voracek, because basically they were kept around for the sole reason of, okay, we're keeping you so we never bottom out. Mm-hmm. Yes, your primes are going to be wasted on teams that have no chance of winning the cup, but because we keep you, we're going to stay okay, and that'll make it so the kids join an okay team rather than a total crap team. And I will say, I think it also has to, you're going to need veterans, and you're going to need leadership, and you're going to need culture. That 07 offseason, after they had the fucking 60 loss season, that 07 offseason, it's not just Danny Briere, who's a star that they're bringing in. He's also a leader, a guy that they can count on. But they also go get Jason Smith, who was just in the Stanley Cup final. They go get uh, Joffrey Lupel, who was, uh, did he go to the Stanley Cup Anaheim. with Anaheim? Yeah. I think he went yeah. to the Cup with Anaheim. You went and got guys who were veterans, uh, contributors, but guys who were also leaders. And I think that is a... Uh, I don't know if I call Lupo a leader. I'm just saying he's a veteran who could contribute. Maybe not a veteran at the he time. Was, he was definitely he was, a member of the uh, the old city crew. He's a guy who could contribute. But yeah, but like the old city crew were the captain of the team. But like you had those guys plus uh, who you know you get Teamin, you get Hartnell. Guys those who were, were well. Yes. Teamin was much more important. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I was I getting to them. Yeah, I'm just saying you know, went out I, I and know. got those guys. I know. I agree. You had to go out and get those guys. You had to totally rebuild your leadership core because Primo retired. Hatcher was dead maybe he retired like Gagne was getting old Desjardins Desjardins is gone gone. all these guys who were your leaders are gone Forsberg gets traded so you had to go out and get your leaders they're keeping their leaders here to keep that culture around and now they're going to integrate young kids and eventually I'm hoping they go out and get some contributors get that last piece that pronger piece that puts them over and that's what we're all hoping for they get that pronger piece too that'd be cool it would be all right, so we want to go into uh, player reviews? You yeah. want to skip that thing I had? Is that the thing? No, no, the, okay. no the, the thing is the next part. Okay. Where you threw the Shen trade in. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's okay. like we're really gonna re- we're yeah, really we gonna can, rehash this we debate. Can, we can skip it. Yeah. <laughs> Player reviews, Steph, you were in charge of this. I know, and I'm I'm actually I'm looking up the outline from last week where I had everything. You did. That's there, right. Yeah, and I can't find it. I mean, so. we can just get started on the defense. Like, I mean. We can just go player by player. There yeah, aren't I mean, that many players. But I Overall, don't have I don't have the stuff. In the actual thing that they got. Let's I just start right the convo. Okay. And you can Ivan continue Proverall. to try you, to yeah, find the. Ivan A, right? Where'd he go? I'd give Proveroff an A. Yeah. Ivan Proveroff got an A minus from our. Uh, how did you? Where'd the minus come from? Where are you even seeing? This? I have it in last week's outline. Can you send it that to me, please? Sure. Um, I think I gave him a minus because I don't think this is the best version of him. That's fair. And therefore, I think that... I think he's going to get better. So yeah, he's going to get better, and, and that's the A-plus version of him. So okay. it's it's not really like a you did something wrong, so you're getting an A-minus. It's like a you're really good, but I think you're going to be better, so I can't give you the highest grade just yet. That would, that seems unfair to him on the grading curve. You're welcome. Yeah, yeah. I just like his, his... I'd be pissed off if you were my teacher and I'm Ivan Provorov. It's like, hey, you know what? I had the I was tied for the most goals in hockey by a defenseman. That's an yeah. A-minus year. Are you kidding me? Yeah, once... If Andrew McDonald did that, give him an A+. Plus. And I what? would say in a very, you know, calm and motivational voice, I think you can do better. I... Once he gets paired with Gosses Bear, that pair is among the best in hockey and his five-on-five numbers, considering he's on a useless power play unit that doesn't actually exist. Like, his five-on-five scoring numbers are off the charts. I also gave him an A-minus. Um, Nailed it. And 
I, I think the reason behind that was, you know, we did see him make some mistakes this year. Um, and, and they now granted the mistakes that Ivan After Provorov he broke his shoulder or whatever the hell happened to him. The, yes. the mistakes that Ivan Provorov makes are nowhere near as bad as the mistakes that we've seen other defensemen on this team make. And he's skilled enough to make up for them. I just, I think that this was a learning year for him. Um, I think it was an adjustment year to playing with somebody who could actually play hockey and playing those minutes at that age. I I realize we equate youth with energy, but like the guys who are playing those minutes, he's a machine. He is. I'm just Mm -hmm. like guys who are playing those minutes are guys who are 25 and older. Like it is, it is people who it is defenders who are tasked with. You are the number one defenseman. You are an all star. You have a proven track record. Like playing twenty four plus minutes at twenty one years old is is an incredible feat. Uh, Shane Gossespierre got an A. I don't think anyone's gonna. I give him an with A that. plus. Yeah, I mean, I, I could, I give him an A, but I could see, I could see someone giving him an A minus if they're really dinging him for the playoffs here. Okay, because he was really bad in the that's, playoffs. That's series. fair. That's absolutely I, fair. I, I personally wouldn't, but I think you could justify it because he mm-hmm. was one of the biggest disappointments in the playoffs. Series. This yeah. one I want to get to here because it is a pity grade. Travis Sanheim got a B out of pity. I got a B plus on Travis Sanheim. What did he do? I gave him a B minus. What are you talking about? I, th- I, I, I feel like these him. are. I feel like these are uh, rebelling against Dave Haxtell. Yes, grade. this is yeah. a. This is a. <laughs> when he was with the team, Dave he was Haxtell. very good. I know, very good. Yes. He made, Shane Gosses Bear was very good as a rookie. Listen, Travis Sanheim barely made a difference. Travis Get Sanheim, the fuck out of here. Travis Sanheim was the only rookie defenseman in three seasons that has made Andrew McDonald null. You're not wrong. He's he's the only one that is that is Shane Gosses Bear single handedly. We just said took his team to the playoffs playing yes. with Andrew McDonald. But 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 Travis Sanheim inflated Andrew McDonald's numbers. He made he made Andrew McDonald's stats, like underlying numbers, actually look good. Whereas with Gosses Bear, Gosses Bear with, with McDonald, though that pair's underlying numbers sucked. They just kind of got good goal luck because everything Shane Gosses Bear was shooting that year was going in the back of the net, which was cool. But the Sanheim McDonald pair actually kind of worked, which was bizarre. Weird. Tra- yeah. Travis Sanheim made us not really have to talk about Andrew McDonald all that much this season. He only played half the season. I know. And during that time, we were kind of just like, you know, Andrew McDonald, he's been fine. I, th- I think there's the the Sanheim question comes down to whether you. I think he's gonna be really like, good. Like, well, the thing with the thing with Sanheim is his underlying numbers last year were awesome. They were ridiculously good. His goal based numbers were not like he was on the ice for a lot of goals again. So if you if you look at the season and you say he made a lot of mistakes in the defensive zone and therefore I'm giving him a C, like fine, that's the way you're evaluating it. That's fine. If you're looking at it like dude, he was driving play better than any defenseman on the team at age 21 with not great partners, then you're looking at like the B plus range, considering he only played half of the year. So I don't think you can, you can make cases for both sides. I think the results based diff- business. Eh. On your eh. side of the red line still matters. Eh. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about Andrew McDonald. He got Why? a C plus. He, he got a C minus from works. the community. That's his that C minus is I mean C is who he is. I gave him a C plus. Yeah, I said he wasn't the worst defenseman on the team, so that was an improvement. His underlying numbers still sucked, but he didn't make as many bad Blaring, like really yeah. bad plays. I still think the best thing that happened to Andrew McDonald this season. Like for him personally, particularly in how he's viewed by the fans, was that everyone just decided that we really, really hated Brandon Matt. Because <laughs> we like, fans only have the ability to really hate one defenseman at a time. The previous two seasons, it was McDonald. 
last season it was Brandon Maddox. So it was like, yeah, you know, McDonald's not that good, but he's not Brandon Maddox. I still need him off my team. Andrew <laughs> McDonald is a third pair defenseman in the NHL. Yeah, I mean, uh, like yes. on a playoff team, he's playing five minutes a game. Right, and maybe they're a dependable five minutes. <laughs> maybe he helps play- you on the penalty kill. Five minutes, like ten. Yeah, <laughs> in the playoffs, ten. This is six. He could probably play. 10. No, no, no. In the playoffs, five. Okay, in the playoffs. Uh, in the playoffs, yeah. five. Brandon Manning got a D. I think. That I gave. <laughs> I gave F. him an F. Me too. Like, I, I go. My, my point has been made yeah. perfectly. Yeah. My Air comments minutes. for Brandon Manning were garbage. Scores goals. Useless in all situations. <laughs> Get off my team. Brandon Manning is good with the puck on his stick. It's everything else. He was good with the puck. He was good with the puck in the offensive zone just last year. Every other year He's of his career, he wasn't good. He's made plays with the puck with the on puck. his stick before. Look, I'm, I'm not even. And I'm, everyone was shocked. I'm not yeah. even. I'm not even a total Manning hater. I think he's fine. I think he's he's arguably an ideal number seven in the NHL. Yeah. The problem last year him. was that they used him as a four or he, a five. Yeah. Like He'd that be was great his in the role all year. He'd be great as like a, a 30 game a year sure. guy who plays, you know, who sits in the press box most of the time. And, you know, he's a good dude. So I'm sure he's a good veteran presence while he's playing those 30 games. But he, he got overused this year. Vet- veteran presence. Shane Gossespierre played more in the NHL than Brandon Manning. Hey, oh. I'm just saying. There's that. Forget that. Radko C minus. I think that's. I, I gave that's, him an F. As yeah, a big Radko. Really? Yeah. Steph is totally off the Radko. As field. a big Radko defender, I C think plus. C minus might be a little generous. I gave him an F, and these are my comments. I don't care about the rest of the season he had. He got suspended once, and he killed Sean Couturier. This was the worst season of his career. Yeah, mm. yeah whatever. It's hard to argue with anything. Uh, Hague C plus. That's about right. I gave him a C plus. That's, yeah, I mean, that's so, who he is. I think so. This is what B minus for me. You know, I have been a Robert Haig defender for this entire season, um, and we will never know if he is this conservative, stay-at-home type defenseman, or if that's just what he's being coached to be, and he's listening to his coach. We don't really know that. Um, I don't think any coach wants off the glass and out. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, so considering the role, if the role any that coach he plays, does. It's, it's Dave. Dave. Yeah. I, I like I just if if Haig is being coached to play the way he plays, I don't think it's because like Hackstall wants all of his defensemen to play like that. But I think Hackstall might see value in there being one defenseman he has who plays six. And if he's that one, if he's our six who does that going forward, sure. I'm fine with That's it. fine. I want to see more out of him. Yeah, I mean I'd love to I see do more. I do too. Out of him. Like just skate the puck out of the zone. I know you can. He's a really good skater. Yeah. He's a good skater. Um I I was very pleased to see that he is at minimum, at minimum, a reliable NHL defenseman. Define reliable, but yeah, he belongs in the reliable, league, I would say. he can play he can play fifteen minutes a night. Okay. I mean that's uh, he's not we, Andrew McDonald or Brandon Manning. Who do we even have? Well, I think he's I think he's fairly comparable to McDonald without the glare. Stop mistakes. it! We're not doing that. <laughs> You've already compared him to Nick Schultz, and that's. Well, I, I kind of agree with that. We're not doing that. We're not <laughs> he's doing. He's a better that. skating Nick Schultz, probably. Well, Nick Schultz at one time was a good skater when he was like the beginning of his career. Just the version we got was no longer a good. The skate. version we got was thirty-five. <laughs> Forty-five hundred games later, whatever the hell he played. All right, goalies. F's for all of them. <laughs> they all stink. I'd give, I'd give Elliot like a... Stay healthy. Like a, a B minus or That's a C he, plus. Brian Elliot from the community got a B minus. He got a B from this gal. I gave him a B as well. Um, he was better than I expected him to be. Um, he gave me anxiety watching him in net, but he was the Flyers' best option 
in net for the majority and of the season. And I don't blame him for the playoffs because he shouldn't have played. He I mean, shouldn't have played. But yeah. they didn't really have much of a choice because Morozik sucked, who yep. I'm sure we're probably all going to give him Fs. And then mm-hmm. uh, and Neuvert, you couldn't trust him to stay healthy. So it was like, well, let's see what this guy can do. Peter Morozik is my personal enemy. <laughs> Your comments on this was my favorite. No one's ever made me look dumber. All right, we'll talk about him. So he got a D. He stinks. He He's got, the worst goalie I've ever I, I, I would give him a straight F. I'd I got, rather I watch Briz play with his with the glove on his wrong hand. <laughs> I'd rather watch Briz play with Mason's glove than watch Peter Morozik ever play again. My friend calls him Zoolander because he couldn't go left. He turned I, I the wrong that, I way. Love that he nickname. always I love turned that the wrong way. Yeah, I've never seen it before. I played with a goalie in middle school who was in eighth grade and never wore pads until the first day of practice who was better than Peter Morozik technically. I, if a good goalie coach ever got his hands on him, he might turn out to be a superstar because to get to the NHL without the basic ability to know which way to turn when the puck is over there is incredible. <laughs> I'm going to turn my back to the play. Oh, it's in. It hit me in the ass. I, you, know, you know, I gave Mrazek an F. And, but I hate really, them all. I really hate like, all the Really, goals. he made me look pretty smart. Except Alex so I, I should... I hate all the goalies except for Alex Klein because good for you, kid. You got in. I mean, Neuvert, I wouldn't give him an F because stay healthy. Well, by the numbers, when he played, he was good. He was significantly better than he was last year. He just gets gets hurt all the time, which I agree should lower his grade. But I'd probably give him like a C minus. I need him to play. He got a C from the community. I gave him a B. I can't. Hear I don't know why. He had the best yeah, save percentage on the team yeah. of any of the goals. In terms of guys, I never want to see up, see again. He's way up there. Well, oh, like, for sure. See, I don't like. I understand. I understand where he you're had, coming from. But he's a, he makes like, one great save and then he's out for a month. Awesome. How does that help me? If he's not winning me games, he's just some guy who might be good when he comes back. He is for a day. He is a good goalie, and if he was good able, goalies play. If he were able to stay healthy, which I can't really hold against him, even though like at this point. Point. I feel like I should. That's a, I know Bernie Perrant's a good goalie, but he can't play either because he's 104. See, one thing I do like about, in, in a roundabout sort of way, I like about having Neuvert at this particular moment in the Flyers goalie situation is that... He's replaceable? No, it's that his consistent injuries allow the Flyers to essentially have a three-man goalie rotation. Like, I want Alex Lyon to get playing time, and he is always going to get playing time because Neuvert is always going to get hurt. It was before. It was probably before. That was pretty deep in the playoffs. Um, I did... I wasn't expecting anything from Alex Lyon. Like, I couldn't understand why they signed him for another one-year extension. Like, I didn't... I didn't like him like as a prospect. Like I just didn't care for Alex Lyon. And all of a sudden he can hang in the NHL. Like he can be a 15, 20 game backup. He could do that. Not behind this group, but he can do it. That's all well and good. But like a 15 to 20 game backup is either you have a stud goaltender who plays every single night, which probably isn't a good thing anymore because, like, guys need time off. It just isn't that way. Like, there's no Patrick Waugh anymore. Just, you don't do it. Please guys tell that hurt. to Dave Haxtall. I think he could be more than that. Like, I, I think he like, I, I don't. Too. I was really confused. I, I, I don't have two guys who aren't good enough. I, but I, I, I don't think he's, I think he's exactly that now. I think he could get better. Like, he could plausibly get better and maybe, because 
goalies are freaking weird. Like sometimes goalies at age 29 have their best year. No, they like, do. like you just don't know. And I think Lyon is an NHL caliber goaltender. I don't, I just don't he's wanna... just not a guy that I feel comfortable in a timeshare. And the situation they're in right now is that their 1B has to be a timeshare guy because as we found out this year, an aging Brian Elliott cannot play the month of December. I will yeah. never get over that. <laughs> that, is in the, I will, that is my number one mark against Dave Haxtell. Say what you will about everything he did this year. And again, the handling of Travis Sanheim, a travesty. Um, Thank you. The handling of 33 or 34-year-old Brian Elliott, however the hell old he is, was the most ridiculous shit I ever saw. Absolutely ludicrous. Like, oh, yeah, we're going to see if he's got anything left. Oh, yeah, he's in there every night. Every single night. <laughs> For a month. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. In, insanity. So... They want us to talk um, about Anthony Stolarz, which, why? like, he didn't passed. play. It's 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 a he didn't even get a mark. Yeah, he, he didn't. He didn't get a mark because he played. I I, I don't games, have the numbers in front of me. It, it was not a lot. And it wasn't with the NHL. It wasn't with the NHL. I think he played um, in the ECHL a little. He did. He did. Yeah. We, we I think I think that was two games. The ECHL. Well, I, I think that was for conditioning. Yeah. But even then, like, this is a guy who probably does not have a future in the Flyers. I, I would be blown away if he is still in the organization in come September. I just don't know where he fits. They have they have a lot. I don't know where he fits because Hart's here. Unless unless you trade Neuver and you say, Alex Lyon, you are in the NHL next year. That is the only way I see Anthony Stolarz fitting. Wow. I just don't see it. Go with the and I don't, and I don't think they, and, and I don't think they're gonna do that. Jesus. But that's the only like how else does he fit? He, he doesn't. doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't fit. And then out of all of the players that we've already talked about, there's still Felix Sandstrom hanging out in Sweden. So yeah, he's like, coming over next year, probably. Yeah. And that Russian kid who's they signed him. him. Right. Real, yeah, but they, 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 years away. they can know, keep him I know, I know. indefinitely in Russia. Right. He's in the organization. It yeah. sounds like he's better than... He's doing really well. I mean, they're probably going to stole Lars with no knees. They're probably going to draft a goalie every year because that's what Huck's That's Huck's what you have does. to do. Yeah. yeah. You need Because like you said, goalies are weird. No one has any idea. Pretty much. All right. Let's get to the draft. Speaking of it. Um, hey, well, uh, first, let's just do buyout window opens Friday. Latera? I mean, if, I wish. if... If John Tavares calls them up, because the buyout window starts on Friday, but that doesn't mean they have to do it. They can yeah. wait. If John Tavares calls them up and says, I want to be a flyer, they buy out Yuri Leterre. Okay. Unless that happens, they're not buying out Yuri Leterre. Right. Unless like, they need the as cap As much space. as I don't want John, Yuri Leterre. As much as I don't want Leterre on the team because Hackstall will play him, just get through this year. I know it's going to be a pain in the ass because he's probably your fourth line center. Just Matt read him, please. Yeah. that like How hard would it be? To just Matt read him. I mean, it shouldn't be hard. There's the, I mean, there's the other problem. There's the other elephant in the room, and that's Dale Weiss. <laughs> okay, can you Matt but read Dale, Dale Weiss with two but years Dale left? Dale makes nothing. But they, I mean, did, look, I get with Dale Weiss that he's uh, he's got two years left. Latera has one. Just yeah. Matt read him. Yeah, you're right. All right, fair. And Hack clearly has no problem putting Weiss in the in, in the press box. That's the difference. That All is right. true. Weiss can just rot up there. Well, Hack seems to want to play Valtteri Philbull. Well, you mean the Ray Latera? Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. even then, he had I, he started the season. All runs together. They're all point. they're both Finnish. Yeah. Um, they they no, he I'm started he started the season. Having no problem scratching Yori Laterra. He wanted nothing to do with Yori Laterra. And then all of a sudden. He became a necessary part of the team. All of a sudden, something happened. It may have been electroshock th- therapy for all, all we know. Which, like, with, with the, the, the switch, the flip of the switch, 
Yuri Laterra had to be an all situations player immediately. Yeah. He's on the second weird. power play. There was a period where he literally played in all three situations. I know. <laughs> and he closed out every game yeah. with a minute left in the third period. He's slow. He must be good defensively. <laughs> that was just amazing. All right, let's get to the draft. The Flyers have the 19th pick in every round. They have, in round one, 14 from St. Louis, plus their own 19. Round two, 50th overall. Round three, they sent to Detroit for my personal enemy, Peter Morozik. <laughs> round four, number 112. Uh, round five, they got 127 from the Coyotes for Cousins and Madsen, plus their own of 143. Round six, they have 174. Round seven, 190, which they got from... Uh, Montreal for seventh that they sent them last year, and 205 is their own. So they pick at 14 and 19 in the first, which is leading to um, there's a lot. There's a lot of different theories, and it's mostly fan fiction. Uh, what's going around, what they're going to do. That's one way to put it. Uh, have they traded up at all? I guess. Well, they traded up for, for Konechny. They traded up for Konechny. I'm yeah. trying to think if they've ever traded up in the first. I think that's that the, was oh, just that, that's it, the only right? time with Hextall. And allegedly, they were trying real hard to get up for Ekblad. Yeah. I mean, technically Morgan Frost, but that wasn't trading up. That, that was, was trading. That was for trading. The yeah, that yeah, was that's trading. True. And it le- didn't St. Louis make that call? That's the way I remember hearing it. No, I don't know. I mean, they <laughs> you're asking sp- the wrong they person. They might have sparked it, but I don't. Okay. Hextall right. was certain was certainly listening. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's in that thing, clearly they got it from them, the, yeah. the trade bait article you referenced. So, uh, Charlie, you did all this. Run us through it. Okay, so I'm just going to read the quote that Hexall gave at the exit interviews. This was asked about possibly moving up. and His response was, in terms of options, yeah, having extra picks gives you more options. If you want to move up, I would envision the chance to move up. We're a little bit more defined in terms of the pieces we have. At least have a good chance of like at least the pieces have it that have a good chance of playing. It narrows the scope a little bit. So if we move up to this spot, we can get this player who's a good fit for the group of prospects we have. A little bit more options. So he's not closing the door on moving up, but that's not necessarily the only thing he can do. He could just make the picks. They got two picks in the same range. He could trade back. They've done that before. They did that with uh, with Rubsoff. They they could have made that pick. They traded back. They got an extra early second. They picked Rubsoff. So that happened. Or they could trade one or more or both of the first round picks for roster players. So these are really your four options. Trade up, stay stay put, trade back and collect more assets, trade the picks for pieces to help win now. And that's the one that I want to see happen. If they're if I either want them to make these two picks and just get good value out of this particular draft, or I want them to package one or both of those picks for a roster player that would make an immediate impact on this team going forward. Otherwise, don't waste my time. Like, I feel like this draft isn't life-changing enough to warrant trading up for a higher pick. Like, That's- I don't know who... I, there's nobody in, like, the top five outside of the first two, which you're obviously not going to get. There's nobody that I'm, like, dying to have in this organization that I would give up the two picks to get the one kid. Like, I just don't... That's the thing is if the asking price, I mean, if where's Carolina three? Carolina's two, two. So yeah. if you can get to Carolina, they've been talking about trading back. I don't know if they want to trade that I, far I, back. I, I, no, I don't think they're going. They've to. mentioned. I think somebody it might have been Friedman. Somebody po- somebody had this in an article, and basically it was a theory that the reason why Carolina is saying they're they're willing to trade everyone is because the new owner just wants to get a read on everyone's trade value within mm-hmm. the league. Okay, and I think that makes a fair amount of sense. Yeah, definitely. So that's. That was an interesting theory See who to calls me. about who. Yeah, yeah, and you get an idea of like, okay, how how highly do these teams value these players? Now I know what his value is around the league in case yeah. I want to do something a year or two years down the road. Um, 
I sort of agree. Like, I think, like, Darlene's really good. Sveshnikov's really not, good. Zadina's really good. I don't think you're getting That's in the top the, three. Yeah. yeah. If you if you package... The problem with the, the, the moving up thing is that if you package those two picks together, the value of that probably gets you to, like, the actual, like, math value. That probably gets you to, like, five or six. But I don't think any of those teams are going to do that. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to basically lose the trade to get up into, like, the seven to ten-ish range and, and that's just not worth it well it just comes down to who's there and how high like the way this draft works for me and i think this is generally what people agree is that there's like a top 10 and then after that top 10 it kind of gets muddled and then there's everybody's opinions are different but the 10 guys who seem to always be ending up in the top 10 in mock drafts are darlene who's going to be a stud Sveshnikov and Zadina, who are both sniper wingers who would be great for the Flyers, but they're not getting up to two, three. Like, the farthest Zadina is going to fall is like five at worst. And uh, he'll probably go three. Then you got uh, Kokkaniemi, who's like the top center of the draft. And there was a point where it would look like he might go to 14. Now his stock's on the rise. Like, Montreal might take him at three. Because they don't have a center. Because they don't have a center. Yeah. Brady Kachuk, Oliver Wallstrom, Quinn Hughes, Adam Boquist, Evan Bouchard, Noah Dobson. Those are your 10. So if there's a guy in like the seven to ten range, as Hextel said, you know if he if, if they fit the prospect pool's needs, maybe they trade up. And like the three guys who I would say are possible that could happen: Wallstrom because he's another goal scoring winger, Noah Dobson because he's like a balanced right handed defenseman, and then Brady Kachuk because, in all honesty, we're screaming how we want a piece that will help next year. Kachuk could make the NHL next year. So like that almost is like a trade, a, a trade for a roster player because he's very well might be NHL ready next. So year. here's the thing though. I don't, tr- I don't trust Ron Hextall to draft Brady Kachuk and play him in the NHL next year. Fair. And, that's, that, why- and that's the problem that I have with, with taking these two picks to trade up is that I feel like, and this kind of gets back to your hot take. This is the first, this past season was the first season that I legitimately felt like they shot themselves in the foot with the patience thing. They could have been better than they were had they just gone a little bit farther ahead in the plan. So this summer, for me, they need to do some shit. And that means improving the team immediately. And if they trade up for a kid like Kachuk, who is good and will help the team, but if Ron Hextall is unwilling to play him because he's a kid... That doesn't help us at all next year. doesn't get us anywhere, and we're still in the same spot. And that, to me, is both a problem and also a little bit of a waste of these two assets that we could use to improve the team now. And that's, like, if I'm trading 14 and 19, my preference is to go get a Dougie Hamilton or, some, like, and put a package together for, for an impact player like that who I'm who there's zero bust potential. That's yeah. no matter who you take, there is... Very high bus potential. <laughs> like, yeah, it's. I mean, they're lottery picks. Yeah, that's. It's. Yeah. It, I, if we're gonna do that, I, I would rather just take the players, draft at fourteen and nineteen, and move them at another date when we're ready to, you know, make a deadline trade for someone who's gonna help us make a playoff run. That's that's how I feel, and that's what uh, Charlie, you got into organizational need. Yeah, I think this is interesting because, as I said, Hextall did hint at that that that's going to play a role. So. When you say organizational need, I'm not even necessarily talking about needs with the big club. It's yeah. needs with the prospect pool. Like, yes, you could say a need with the big club is goalie. With the prospect there's pool, no, there's yeah. no real need for goalie in the prospect pool. Mm-hmm. They have a, a ton of them, and they have one of the, if not the best goalie prospect in hockey as well. So, like, yeah, you get another one, but it's not a need. 
organizational needs, the ones I see right now are top one, which I've been screaming about for the last three years, goal scoring, shoot first wing. That would be great. However, they passed up both Ely Tolvan and, and Kiefer Bellows in two consecutive drafts. Is that a focus? Is that just not something Hextall values? I don't know. But that's a need. Defense prospects after Myers. This is an interesting need for me because once you get past Phil Myers, they really don't have any other defense prospects that project as top four guys. So maybe this is the time where you get one who might not hit the NHL for two or three years, but maybe that fits with your timeline because when he's ready, Shane Goss's bear is 28, 29 years old. And then maybe the young, like the Sandheim, Haig, Myers trio, they're all pushing for bigger contracts. And then maybe you trade one of them and you bring up the defenseman you took now, who's now ready. And that's where I am. When I'm looking at this draft, especially, I see a lot of defensemen that really interest me. Uh, a couple of them in the top 10 that they probably can't get. Uh, Bouchard, Boquist, who the hell was Dobson? But Dobson, I really like him. Yeah, I like Dobson a lot. He Uh, he was really good in the Memorial Cup. I just feel like you can never have enough D. Uh, hey, oh, relatable. No, like, <laughs> I look at what Nashville has been able to do. Yeah, you're not wrong. And like, you can always go get something else. You can always use a young defenseman to get you something else. And when they, like you're saying, like, oh, yeah, let's just move Mark Friedman to get, you know, a goal scoring winger. And then, oh, look, we have someone to take his place right away in the organization. Boom, done deal. Yeah. Yeah, the, the only other need I could think of off the top of my head is that I don't know if there's anybody currently in the prospect pool that is, like, a speed demon. Like, Frost is fast, but he likes to play slow. Like, he slows the game down. That's his style. They don't really—I don't know if they have anybody who you look at and you're just like, man, he's got game-breaking speed. And that would be cool. It'd be cool to get a guy like that. Uh, looking at the organizational makeup, I wonder— that just they want guys who can skate clearly i don't know if game breaking speed is a uh, is a huge is a huge thing i mean connectney's the closest yeah. and i don't think connectney is is like one of the fastest skaters in the league but he does play fast yeah 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 but he's really the only one you know all the other guys like they get good skaters like Travis yeah. Sanheim is a is a Absolutely. fantastic all around skater but when i talk about his skating i'm talking about like his change of direction his pivots like that's where yeah, he's it's not just, freaking awesome it's not that straight line speed yeah like like, about. like i'm talking about a guy who just can blast by you because mm-hmm. he's faster than everyone um i can tell you what Broad Street Hockey has done in the SB Nation mock draft. Hey, yeah, that's a, that's a thing I saw today. This uh, We're making moves we and making pick. trades. Yeah, you guys are active. We've made a lot of trades, and I can only tell you about two of them, but I will tease that there is another one coming up. Oh, wow. That may or may not have added a third first-round pick. Um, so we traded for 14. Dallas approached us with a trade they would give us the 13th overall pick for the 14th and the rights to Peter Mrazek, which like who, who would not take that deal? <laughs> so we moved up to 13. All yours. Um, and then Colorado approached us and asked if we wanted to move back from 13 to 16 and acquire another second round pick. So, we did that from 13 to 16, and we also gave them our, our fifth round pick to get an additional second round pick and the 16th overall. So instead of having no third round pick, well, we still have no third round pick, but we have officially two first round picks and two second round picks, which is not that bad. Um, Hextall has found some some good value in the second round, and I think that that could be 
really fun to play with moving forward. Um, at, at 16 overall, we picked Rasmus, Rasmus Kupari. Yep. Um, because he seems like a very Hextall player. He's smart and he's fast. He would definitely fit that straight line speed thing because he's he's one of the fastest skaters in the draft. Looking at uh, the Sporting News mock draft, they have the Flyers taking Kupari at 14. Uh, Let's see. Hockeyprospect.com has Rasmus Kupari at uh, 19. He just fits. He fits from a value standpoint where the Flyers pick. And I think that's why he's getting linked to the Flyers in a lot of mock drafts. Um, I would hate the pick. I, I like Kupari. I like the speed. I, I I would love to get a real speed demon on the wing for the Flyers. That would that would be cool. Um, I don't love the pick. Like I think let me check my draft. I have, I have like a a draft board I have set up. I think I have him around like eighteen, like seventeen or eighteen. So it's not like a it's not a pick I I love, but it's not you know it's certainly not like a super reach. Um, I I like Joel Therabi a lot. And I think you guys traded down rather than take him. So yeah. I would be screaming the same way I was screaming that you got that the Flyers <laughs> traded down rather than taking Kiefer Bellows. Uh, but that's just because I like Joel Farabee a lot. Well, yes, and that was that was the conversation. Do we like Frisbee enough? Frisbee. I love that you call him Frisbee. <laughs> I can't. I can't see anything else. <laughs> Do we like Frisbee enough to not take the additional second round pick? Um, and the consensus was. We like him, but I don't know whether it was significantly more than Kupari to not take him. That's fair. Okay. I mean, from a from a pure draft value standpoint, you guys are are the numbers back. You guys, yeah, that it's always better to trade back and take picks. I just like Farabee a lot. Yeah, um, Charlie, I, I've picked I've picked my guy who uh, I have Kupari at seventeen. So basically, where you guys picked? Him. Yeah, I have I, I've picked my guy, the guy I'm gonna die for. Now. Okay, Grigory Denisenko. Oh. Is the oh, man? He's your guy. I love him. Okay, he's got skills. He got left off a Russian international team because he's a little dirty. He's got oh, so, oh he's got the dirtiness that. to him. That's what you're liking about. Need him. a little okay. bit of grit because okay. he's got a lot of skill. He can skate. He can do some things they need. And he's also got a little bit of an edge, and I think they need someone who can play that playoff hockey. Oh, so I know I want the skill too. So, so, I want yeah. both. So I know that a lot of the draft people who very much focus on like upside and skill love him like Corey Prom and that's his big thing and he has I think Dennis Engel in the like, top 10 um my concern with him is that his production in Russian juniors has not matched his talent and I always worry about guys like that like that was always my big worry about Pavel Zaka it was like well you just watch me looks so good it's like well yeah but he's why are you taking a guy top 10 who's been a point per game like that's it. In, That's in the, juniors, uh, it's not that good. I know we reference it all the time, but the money ball, you're telling me he's a good hitter. How come he doesn't hit good? Yeah, and, and <laughs> there, there's, there's been a strong argument that people have made that Dennis Echo sets up his line mates for a lot of chances and they just don't finish. So... I'm I'll not fit in here. I, I don't hate I don't hate the pick, but he wouldn't be on top of my list. But I think like I can I get why people are really into him because you watch his highlights and like they're ridiculous. I, the stuff I've he seen, can do is pretty ridiculous. Uh the Sporting News, NBC Sports Mock Draft 3.0 and ESPN's 2.0 mock draft have us linked to Rasmus Sandin, all three of them. Okay, uh, well, that's I, I bet I know why, and it's because he's on the same team as Frost. Yes, that's that's been mentioned every time. Like they've yeah. seen him so much, yeah. like they couldn't help but notice him. Yeah, 
that there that's the same thought about Barrett Hayton, who is uh, like one of the, the higher ranked center prospects. He's viewed as like your classic two way center guy. He was also on on the, the Sioux with uh, with Frost. And he's a guy who I could also see the Flyers liking. He's not a guy I'm super into. Um, I wouldn't mind. I would. I, I'd be. Let me put it this way. I'd be fine with Hayton in 19. I wouldn't like him at 14. I think it's okay. a reach. Another player to keep an eye on that I think is another Hextall pick that Broad Street Hockey may or may not have picked at 19. Uh, Vitaly Kravstov. Kravstov. Um, Kravstov. Thank you. He feels like a very Hextall pick. He is one that is just rising very quickly up the draft board and he's a big beefy defenseman he does seem to like guys who is he i thought he was a defenseman no he's a winger he does well even better he's a big beefy (laughs) forward he does he does seem to have this thing of getting guys right before they go nuts uh right before like travis sanheim everyone kind of went oh okay interesting and then you know goes wild in his next season yeah um uh, I wonder when we talk about the organizational need and what Hext or and what Hextall seems to value. Like we all want a goal scoring winger. That's something we all want. We think the organization needs one. Clearly, they do. They don't score enough. This team needs to score more. And considering the playmakers they have, you would think guys would score more. And, and to clarify, it's not just the goal scoring because like. Isaac Ratcliffe scored a lot this year, yeah. but what I want is I want can shoot I want a shoot first yeah. winger. I don't like it's great to get a Wayne Simmons type who scores yeah. goals and goals are goals, but I want a guy who Claude Giroux could pass the puck on a rush and he just snipes it. That's mm-hmm. what I want. Yes, yeah, I want Claude Giroux to get those seventy assists because yeah. he's passing to a guy not not named Michael Raffle. <laughs> that's, that's and uh, listen, love Michael Raffle. I want not that guy yeah. at fourteen. You yeah. know, if we're gonna go that way, I more I lean towards defense. That's my way. That's fair. I want as well, many. The, the great thing is you have two picks, you have two so picks. you could get a forward and a defenseman. Get... That would be ideal. Yeah. If you could get, I mean, and the cool thing, I, I'm a big Kravtsov fan. I, I would be totally fine with him at 14, but he has goal scoring winger potential. Mm-hmm. It's harder to judge the guys because he's playing the KHL, so it's harder to judge guys that played in the KHL because, like, before you draft them, because their numbers aren't going to look that That's... good because they're playing against men. I'm so like, I want a good European or Russian sniper. Like, I think that would be great. That'd be cool. But there's so much goddamn projection that goes into picking those guys because unless it's Patrick Line, you're looking at his numbers like, I don't know, is he good? I don't know. Well, Kupari's the same way, though. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Kupari had 14 points in 39 games, mm-hmm. but he was in the finish league against men. So, like, 14 points, 39 games, it's pretty good for an 18-year-old in a, in a league against men. Granted, the finish league is in the KHL, but it's a pretty good league. It's not bad. Yeah, like the Finns, pretty good at high. Yeah, they're not bad. All right, guys. I think that is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio. We'll get some more drafts up next yeah, week. Yeah, definitely some more draft stuff next week. The draft party, once again, is Friday, June 22nd, beginning at 6 p.m. at Tavern on Broad in Philadelphia. It's right on Broad and Walnut on the southwest corner. It is underground, so you are going to have to go downstairs, um, but it will be cool. We will have fun. Half off drinks from 6 to 10, half off apps from 6 to 10. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie, for Steph, for Kelly. Have a great week, everybody.
Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. Smart.